Chapter Two of the Brownies and Prince Florimel by Palmer Cox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Titania comes to reign over the fairies. Now, in another part of the same country, there was a race of fairies who never grew old and always remained beautiful. Their loveliness of face and form was beyond all description. Just try to think of the prettiest young girl you ever saw. Well, even the plainest of these fairies were ever so much prettier. That is to say, all were very beautiful, with one exception. In her case, the fairy charm was an utter failure. She was little and old, with a queer wrinkled face like a dried-up crab-apple. But because no one else looked like her, she was firmly convinced she was the most beautiful of them all. They wore clinging gowns made of the texture of roses, lilies, and other flowers. She who wore fragrant rose petals called herself Rose. She who called herself Lily, one of the lilies, and so on. There were violet, daffodil, bluebell, daisy, jasmine, hyacinth, and ever so many others. You could find the names of all the rest in a seed catalogue, that is, all but the little old wrinkled one, who was known as Dame Drusilda. The fairies had a republic, because they were all so very much alike and equally beautiful, gifted, and clever it would have been an extremely awkward matter to select a queen from among them if any one had been chosen all the others would have felt greatly slighted dame drusilda believed she should be the queen simply because no one else looked like her but she was quite alone in her opinion they were very up-to-date and they had a palace of great magnificence that had every modern convenience with sanitary plumbing there was a very gorgeous throne-room wisely arranged in the event that they might some day have a queen with a portcullis at the entrance that could be raised or lowered at will this of course was to keep out unwelcome guests the republic was most beautifully situated where a river joined the sea and upon a cliff one day the fairies beheld a most unusual sight while they were smiling and nodding a greeting to some lovely mermaids who were down among the rocks combing their long tresses with the aid of hand-mirrors a golden shallop heaped with flowers came drifting down the placid stream the fairies signalled to the mermaids who when their attention was attracted to the shallop swam to it and guided it to the shore as it drew near all grew very much excited when they observed a most exquisite little creature nestling asleep in the fragrant bed of flowers. When the shallop grounded gently on the pebbly beach, her eyes opened, and she gazed up at them with the most enchanting smile imaginable. "'I am Queen Titania,' she announced, as they bent over her. "'And I have come to reign over you.' With tender hands they raised her from her couch, and knelt before her in silent adoration." Never before had they seen anyone so beautiful as she stood before them in her long trailing gown, with a gem-crusted crown upon her brow, and in her hand a slender wand from whose tip shone the scintillating rays of a diamond. "'Your Majesty,' said queer little Dame Drusilda, "'we are all your loyal subjects. 
let us conduct you to the palace, where affairs of state await you. Amid great rejoicing, they conducted Queen Titania to the palace. Wee-winged cupids bore her long train. The portcullis was raised, and in triumph they entered. The new queen was conducted with much pomp to the throne room. When she was placed upon the throne, two dogs, two frogs, and an ostrich were brought before her. "'What have they done?' asked Queen Titania. "'Your Majesty,' said the fairy named Hyacinth, "'these two dogs were fighting, and one bit off a piece of the other's ear. "'Which one was the one who did it?' "'Why, this one.' "'Bind him over to keep the peace.' said Queen Titania promptly. The fairies all nodded their approval as the dogs were led away. "'Your Majesty,' then spoke up one of the frogs, "'will you be kind enough to listen to the complaint of one who has always tried to conduct himself like a perfect gentleman? I am a confirmed bachelor frog. This young lady frog is continually pestering me with her attentions. She keeps on proposing marriage, although it is not leap year. "'With frogs, every year is leap year,' said Queen Titania. "'The ostrich looked very guilty, as a fairy named Eglatine explained. "'Your Majesty, he deliberately swallowed a half-dozen of the palace spoons.' "'Why did you do it?' asked Queen Titania of the culprit. "'I don't know,' he said shamefacedly. "'But I do,' said Queen Titania. "'You did it to stir up things. Have you a sweetheart?' "'Yes, I've got a bird.' "'Well, now you can go and spoon with her.' All were quite delighted with the wisdom shown by their tiny sovereign in dispensing justice. But before other important matters could be disposed of, a fairy messenger named Pink, with her petaled attire all flecked with dust, dashed in great excitement into the throne room. She had ridden many leagues upon a winged steed, and in its terrific speed which was far greater than that of the swiftest aeroplane, it had used both wings and feet. Pink ran toward the throne to impart the news that had brought her in such hot haste, but the unexpected sight of Queen Titania stilled the words upon her frightened lips, and caused them to part instead with wonder and surprise. "'This is Queen Titania,' hastily explained Dame Drusilda, "'who henceforth is to reign over us.' Pink knelt low before Titania and kissed her royal robe. "'Your Majesty,' she said, "'I am the bearer of bad news. Dragonfell, the wicked enchanter across the sea, has declared his intention of making trouble for the fairies.' "'Who told you this?' asked Queen Titania. "'A little bird,' was Pink's reply. "'This is very serious,' said Queen Titania gravely for little birds never tell fibs. There was a clamor of dismayed, excited voices, but the queen raised her wand for silence and continued. Though it may only be an idle threat, I will still appeal to Euphrosyne. Should we ever need her help, right gladly she will give it. Her hearers all looked puzzled, and Dame Drusilda made bold to ask, Who is Euphrosyne, of whom you speak? Have you not heard of her? Queen Titania asked, with much surprise. "'She is the goddess of mirth, who tries to make the whole world happy, a most gigantic task. Come with me, and I will send her an invisible summons.' 
with the cupids bearing her train, she passed with the fairies out to the palace courtyard, where fountains played and flowers bloomed. Here she raised her wand and told them to look up. And doing so, they beheld a most marvelous sight, a radiant, smiling-faced, gloriously beautiful young woman in classical white robes, her sandaled feet resting ever so lightly upon one of the pearl-tinged clouds. Around her circled snowy doves, cooing, fluttering, and settling on her head, bare shoulders, and arms. While Titania waved her wand, she suddenly gazed downward, as though something by means of an electric current had been transmitted to her through the air. She stroked a dove that had found its way trustingly to her hand, and as the others flew from her, she herself seemed plumed for flight. The Marys watched her with a suspense that was almost painful, but to their great disappointment the passing clouds blotted her from sight. But even the fairies, who all the time are witnessing the most wonderful things, were quite astounded when Euphrosyne, in what seemed to be the very next moment, appeared with the dove right in their very midst. "'What is your wish?' she asked Queen Titania. "'Oh, beautiful Euphrosyne!' said the little queen. "'We are much concerned over the wicked Dragonfell.' "'The enchanter across the sea?' said Euphrosyne. "'And what about him?' "'He threatens harm to the fairies.' "'Do not borrow trouble,' said Euphrosyne. "'Sometimes people make foolish threats, "'and when others heed them, "'they have a good deal of needless worry.' "'All looked very much relieved, "'and Queen Titania said, "'Your encouraging words comfort us greatly.' "'If I were you,' advised Euphrosyne, "'I'd always keep the portcullis down.' and be very careful about admitting strangers. Don't let anyone in without a first-class reference. If Dragonfell annoys you, let me know. But how? asked Queen Titania. You can send this magic dove to me. They looked at her, but she was gone, and no one knew whither. She seemed to have just melted away. Where her hand had been, there was a dove, and as it started to flutter off, with some difficulty they caught it. Though she was very much encouraged by all Euphrosyne had said, Queen Titania still thought it prudent to post on one of the palace walls a warning placard, so that those who ran might read. And it proved a task that was sufficient to interest some of the fairies the rest of the afternoon, and by the time they got through they were able to make some show at hitting the nail on the head. End of chapter 2